This is Jesse Cole, the owner of the Savannah Bananas, and you're listening to Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. Life is all about relationships, and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue Podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world, representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlett. As always, thrilled to have each and every one of you with me today. And as you heard from that amazing introduction, I have the one and only yellow tux wearing showman, Jesse Coleman with me today. Jesse Cole, how are you? I'm fantastic. Excited to be with you and have some fun. Oh, me too. Me too. Now, folks, you heard Jesse say that he is the owner of the Savannah Bananas. And I'm sorry, if you don't know who the Savannah Bananas are, that means you've been living under a rock for the past couple of years because they are the... (laughs) Bell of the ball when it comes to entertainment and minor league baseball. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I tell you that just a few years ago, no one knew who we were. So we only sold a handful of tickets that were struggling. So a lot has happened over the last seven years, but it's been a lot of fun. For sure. For sure. Now, folks, in addition to owning the Savannah Bananas, I mean, Jesse's written three books. I want to make sure I get the titles right. That's why I've got the, the old notes here with me here, Jesse. We've got uh, fans first. Find your yellow tux and a banana ball. Yes, the three. Oh, and they and they're fantastic books. I highly recommend them. And folks, I'll make sure that there are links in the show notes for you guys to grab copies of those. I mean, the the team has been featured on so once the success started to happen, mm-hmm. you guys have been featured places like MSNBC, CBS Sunday this um, Sunday morning, Access Hollywood, HBO Real Sports, even on CNN, ESPN, and I can't even that probably millions of phones all over the world to see what you guys are doing. Because honestly, I mm, earlier this year, I mentioned to my youngest, it's like, have you heard of the Savannah Bananas? Oh, dad, of course. I know who they are. He's like, they are so fun. So I figure, okay, you guys are getting around if somebody younger who's not into baseball is checking you guys out. Well, I think the goal was to create something that we would love. You know, like Walt Disney had a vision when he was sitting on the bench at Griffith Park. He said, I, and watching his two daughters go on the carousel, he said, I wish there was a place that adults and kids could have fun together. And mm. you know, now that I have three kids under five and, you know, I, I see that I'm, I wanted to create something first that I would love, that I would enjoy, that I would be bored at a baseball game. And now I think of how do we make it that our kids uh, love it. And, you know, my five-year-old son, he hasn't missed a game. He watches every single pitch. And yeah. I don't know where that happens in any sports because he, he's upset. What are they going to do next? Are they going to do a trick play? What's going to be the hitting entrance? Is Stilt going to play? What's the breakdancing coach doing? Oh, the dancing umpire. Look at him. All the pep bands playing. And you try to create something that is, is, is fun and lively. And I think with anything, any business, you want to look at what are the friction points? What are the frustration points from the customer's point of view and do the exact opposite? And the one we mm-hmm. attacked with baseball is too long, too slow, too boring. And, you know, it's not fans versed. You get nickel and dimed and, you know, you pay, you, you know, we try to do the opposite of that. And and uh, it's been a long journey from selling a handful of tickets, having to sleep on an airbed to where we are now. But it's been mm. it's been the consistency of believing in, in fans first and just constantly doing things that we believe is right. And that's brought us to where we are today. So what did you do to go from the, okay, well, let me, let me back up even further. What goes through your mind to say, 
we need to buy a minor league baseball team. <laughs> well, you know, I started as a 23-year-old general manager of a team. So how do you get a job as a GM at 23? Well, it was the worst team uh, in the country. So I was, taking, I was running a team in, in Gastonia, North Carolina, $268 in the bank account my first day. There were three employees, full-time employees. The payroll was on Friday. So I didn't even know how I was going to pay the employees that I it took on. And mm. 200 fans coming to the games. And we were failing. No one wanted anything to do with us. The team had been there for seven years. They were lowest in the country in attendance and, and struggling. So I realized at that point, I had to learn everything I could about, you know, the entertainment business because, you know, that's where I started reading about PT Barnum and all that. And so luckily that went from, you know, $268 in the bank account, 200 fans to selling out games. And, you know, we did a lot of things that didn't work. I mean, the flatulence fun nights, the salute to underwear nights, uh, but, but, you know, the grandma beauty pageants worked and the dig to China night where we gave away a one-way flight to China. Um, you know, we did, we did a lot of crazy things and it got attention and it was fun. So after running that for a while, Emily joined us as our director of fun and we fell in love. We had the same passion and dreams for, you know, just bringing joy and, and, and doing a lot for fans. And so I proposed to her and she surprised me with a trip to Savannah, Georgia. And uh -huh. so I proposed to her in the yellow tuxedo. I was wearing this before Savannah. People didn't know that. In nice. And she surprised me in Savannah. And we went there. We went to the minor league team um, game and, and Grayson Stadium. And there's only maybe two, 300 fans max. You could feel like a tumbleweed going through this big stadium. And um, <laughs> realized that we wanted to give it a try. And so they, they left. And we reached out to the city. We made a deal to buy an expansion franchise. So we went through hundreds of thousands of debt into million, into $1.8 million in debt to buy, put money in, to start up and all that. Um, but we just mm. had a dream. We said Savannah could be fun. So that was our dream. We went there and it struggled, you know, only selling a handful of tickets. People didn't believe in us. A former team cut the phone lines, cut the internet lines. We got the call that no one wants to get as a business owner that you're going to miss payroll. And so then we had to put the little money we had in, sell our house. And it was a struggle. But I think... How do we buy the minor league? We just believed in doing something. And then we realized it got really hard. And then it got harder. <laughs> and we had to believe even more if we wanted to make it work. And that's where it came, that belief. Just get people to experience it. They have to experience it. If they can experience it, we're in. We just had to get to that opening day. So what was, what was that process like? And, and what was the thing that you felt like, okay, we know we got to get them there. So what was it that you did to get them there? Because you knew once they were there, they'd have the buy-in. So what was the draw? How'd you get them? Well, the, well, how we failed is let's start with there. We started yeah, please. Doing, we started doing social media ads. We started doing TV. We started doing radio. We started creating noise like everyone else creates. It was fun. Uh, but then we said, you know, attention beats marketing 1,000% of the time. You know, don't market, mm -hmm. create attention. So we had to name the team contest and everyone said like spirits, the ghosts, the anchors, you know, all Savannah kind of themed. And oh, one, okay. an 82-year-old woman suggested the bananas. Only one out of over 1,000. We looked at it, we said, go bananas. And we could have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas. And our mascot could be split. And we could have a male cheerleading team called the Mananas. And now they're just the dad bad bod cheerleading squad. But we had all these ideas. And we said, all right, let's go with it. And so we announced the team as the Bananas. And it created huge attention. Not good attention. We were <laughs> art. The owners <laughs> going on the town. Whoever thought of this name should be fired. Uh, you guys will never sell a ticket. Leave our town now. I mean, we got ripped wow. apart. But people knew who we were. And so now when we made phone calls, at least they knew who we were. Mm -hmm. And people didn't realize uh, a little behind the scenes. So they had never sold out a game in this ballpark, getting a couple hundred fans. We went to the hospital, biggest employer, and said, hey, we're going to have dancing players. It's going to be dancing. The most fun it's ever happened in this ballpark. Well, you, what if you did something for your employees and took care of them? So we convinced the hospital to buy over 3,000 tickets. 
And then wow. with the other tickets. So then we announced Savannah Bananas game sold out. And people were like, what? There's never <laughs> been a sold out game in the stadium. We only got one big part. We got the hospital to buy most of the tickets. And then yes. we started creating demand and you create excitement. And then mm. they came out that first game. You're like, whoa, if they're selling a game, this must be special. And so they came out that first night and then watched, you know, our players deliver roses into the crowd to little girls. They watched mm. all the, the dancing. They watched the banana nanas. They watched the banana baby. And people left saying, this is something I've never seen before and started telling everyone. And then that's that word of mouth is what changed everything. Mm. I love that. But you know, Jesse, I got to tell you, I'm even more impressed because something that most people, let alone most business owners, are deathly afraid of, and that's failing. It's like somehow that is something to be avoided, you know? And unfortunately, I've had to learn the hard way, and it seems like you have too, and that is failing is how you learn. It's how you get to the next levels. It's, you can't get better by doing it right. You got to do it by doing it wrong. So the problem is we got to change the language. I agree with you 100%. But as soon as you say failure, people are like, oh, like failure is the failure is the worst thing to hear. Think about it as a kid. If my son comes home and he's got a big red F on his paper, you know, how are we going to react? Yeah. The question is it. So I, I look at failure as discovery. You know, what did you discover mm. to, you know, mm. you can't, you know, people are never going to enjoy your success until they understand your setbacks. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, you have to look at you're either going to have a success or you're going to have a story. All right. So we look <laughs> at anything that happens. As what are we learning? Because you learn by doing. If it's a setback, how does that bring you to the next step? You know, what are you discovering today that you didn't that you didn't know about yesterday? And stop saying failure. We do 10 to 15 promotions every single night that we've never done before in front of a live crowd. Nine to 12 of them do not go well. All right. The, the living pinata. Good luck. You know, that did not go well. Messy baby. I could go the, the horse head race. I could go on and on about all the things that don't work well. But what it does is it helps us learn what does work well. And we learn faster than anybody else because we try more, we experiment more, and we test more than any other sports team will do because we're not afraid of what most people call failure because we don't see it as failure. You got to change the conversation, change the language if you want to start changing the behavior. Oh, for sure, man. I love that. I'm curious, based upon what people are seeing now and certain levels of success that the bananas are having what's your retention rate like both on the i would say the when i say managerial i mean like like the office side of things versus the on the field side of things so i mean we're very fortunate so you know our lottery list which we used to have a wait list now we say everyone join the lottery list because you got to win the lottery to get tickets that's over yeah. two that's over 2 million people now. And that in just, in just, wow. No, now four weeks now. In four weeks since we announced that where we're going for 2024, 2 million mm -hmm. people joined the lottery list. So I'm proud of them. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. Yeah. We're proud of there's a wait list now to work with us that just passed 5,000. So there's a wait list. Oh, congrats. Thank you. That again, that's, that's harder because you want to find good people. So mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if retention's the best. I mean, we've been very for our first three, four years. I don't think we had anyone leave. Now, you know, I think. A couple here and there. I mean, obviously, we're hiring one or two every week almost now. So, yeah. it, it, but I don't think reten retention is, is hugely important. Don't get me wrong. But we have people do when they apply with us, we have them do a video cover letter because we want to know their personality and what they stand yeah. for and what they're about. Then they have to do a fans first essay on how they hit our core beliefs. And then they mm. don't, then instead of sharing their resume, they share their future resume. So, mm. we want to know what they want to do in the future, where they want to go. It's an exercise to see, you know, who they are. And we want people to potentially want to do other bigger things. 
So if mm-hmm. in three, five, 10 years, we have people leave to go do something that's on their passion list or on their bucket list, that's great retention. I mean, that's a great loss of retention. So yeah. those are the things that we look at. I mean, we're very fortunate. Like I said, we maybe had one or two in the last year that have left us, but I hope for more in the future that I get to do more things that are, are great for them if we can provide that opportunity. Well, I love that. And, and, and I'll tell you of the research that I've done, you guys have a pretty high retention rate. And it's, that is in no small part due to you and the, the enthusiasm that you have. I'm going to say for life because you can't continue to do the things that you do the way you do it by faking it. You can't. There's, there's no way. Well, you got to find, find what gives you energy. See, yeah. that, 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 that took me, you know, you say a passion for life. Um, I don't like all things. There's a lot of things I don't like. What I do, what I do is I, sur- I surround my days with things that give me unbelievable energy. And I realize I'm my best when I'm full of energy. And so I, when I was struggling, when we first, our first team in Gaston, North Carolina, I was doing operations, putting up signs, cleaning the ballpark. I was doing concessions. I was doing the hiring. I was selling sponsorships back then. I was exhausted at the end of every day. And it's not just because I was doing a lot. It's because I was doing raw, a lot of the stuff that didn't give me energy. So like, John, think about this. Like, obviously your podcast and you enjoy this. Like, if you were to do this throughout the day and say you had 10 of these interviews, right? But they gave mm-hmm. you energy. At the end of the day, you're better for yourself. You're better for your family. And you worked even harder because it gives you energy. So my goal is that, you know, four or five o'clock when I go pick up my kids from school, I am the highest level of energy because I did things all day that fired me up. And I'm mm-hmm. fortunate now that we've built a team that you build the things that don't give me energy to that other people, they get energy out of. So like finances, like I don't touch finance. I don't know what's in our bank account. I could care less. I don't like looking at numbers. I like thinking about how do we create fans? And so that's how I feel. And so, you know, if you're like, oh, you have a lot of energy. I'm like, well, I'm lucky. I just do what gives me energy. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot on this particular podcast, uh, we talk about relationships a lot, obviously because it's in the name, but also because of a deeply held belief that I have. And that is, if you want things to be great in your business, whether you own it or you work for somebody else, if you want it to be fantastic, that's all about relationships and how things are going at home directly impacts how things are going in business. With that said, what is it that you're doing right now, Jesse, to improve or to make better your most significant relationships at home and what impact do those have on your business? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Without saying, getting cliche, it's intentionality. So <laughs> very, very, very intentional on time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I learned from my dad who 10 years ago is now, wow, he battled two forms of cancer and it was really bad. He was in the hospital for almost a year. And oh. every day um, you know, I'd ask my dad, how's he doing? He said, Jess, I'm great. I'm great every day, except for one day. Mm-hmm. And I called him and he said, Jess, I go, dad, I go, dad, how you doing? He goes, oh, I'm good, Jess. How's your day? What's going on with you? And I called, I called my mother after I said, what's going on? She's like, I've never seen him like that, that last night. It's the sickest. I didn't know he was going to make it. It was the sickest. And that morning he answered and he said he was good. Beth Israel Hospital said he was the most positive patient they've ever had. He now, he's now in remission. All the cancer's gone. He, he defeated it himself through, posi- through a thank you, through positivity. I share that because when I look at the intentionality with my family, my wife, you know, we're foster parents. We have two girls, which are soon to be adopted and our biological son. Mm. We choose positivity and as our energy, where we're going. So like we look for it, you know, at the end of the day with our kids and, and my wife and I as well, we do a rose, rose, butt. And so the rose is something great that happened during the day. 
The bud is something we're looking forward to. So now throughout the days, we're already like looking, oh, daddy, that's going to be my rose today. That's been so much fun. I go, hey, well, you know, we're, we're playing football later this afternoon, you and me. Oh, it's going to be tough. You know, those kind of conversations. And so you look for the good, just like my dad every single day saw it as like, I'm great. I'm going to get through this. We look for the good in the day. So that's really when we go through challenges, you know, it's important to talk about them. But, I, you know, we're in a weird bubble of, of happiness and joy. And we go through challenges. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we don't harp on them. We move on just like failure. We don't look at the failure. We don't look at the big F. We go to what's what we're getting out of that. That's really how our, our, our relationships have been so strong. And we involve our kids in everything. They travel all over the country with us on tour. They are on they are, they are a part of this. Like the principal's like, we got to talk about him missing school. I'm like, is he doing okay? You're like, yes, okay, all right, we're going to be okay. Like, how do we get his work? Because I believe, you know, being a part, your family being a part of it. So, you know, we have our own structure. We're still learning, but the positivity runs the day for us. And that's really what we think about in our time together, that we are just having fun. We're doing things that give us energy. And that's, that's what we do. Love that. Love that, man. What does success look like for you? <laughs> joy. You know, okay. it, joy. It's, you know, I know you have revenue in the name of your, your I guess, well, uh, or fortunate from when we had zero dollars and sleeping on an airbed. Now the money I know is in a better position than it was before. Our president tells me we're doing pretty well. Uh, but the, the reality is it's just, are you, are you doing things you love? Uh, are you doing things that give you purpose? Are you doing things that that you can spread to others, you know? So like our success is if, if every day I'm doing things that I love with people I love that people want to be around uh, and I have that freedom to be able to do those things every mm -hmm. single day, that, that's a pretty rich life. For sure, for sure. What would you say above all else is your number one top daily habit? Oh, geez, I'm addicted. Uh, <laughs> I, I learned this from Hal Elrod, The Miracle Morning. So he mm -hmm. talked about Oh, uh, yes. He talked about his lifesavers, silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. He's what he was writing. I developed my own. Every single day, I write down uh, 10 ideas. Just, and I've done this since 2018. Crazily, the Call of Fame has my idea book in the National Baseball Hall of Fame where I came up with the ideas for Banana Ball in 2018. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. So uh, that's cool. I've been writing these 10 ideas for now, you know, six years and just every single day I do that. Then I write in my journal. Then I go for a long run. This is after the kids. I took the kids to school at 730. Then I do all this and I uh, go for a long run and listen to podcasts. And then I either do a thank you letter or a thank you video. So I started to thank you many years ago, written thousands. It changed my life. Now I either do a letter or a video to someone uh, to spread gratitude. Again, you put yourself in a positive nature. So between working that idea muscle, um, yeah. getting the clarity muscle, getting the exercise going, and then sending gratitude. It's not just one. That is my morning, every morning. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love that. So you've written three books now. What was the thought process behind getting the book out? Because I know uh, for most people, the first book is always the hardest one to do. Why did you want to share that first book? And what led you into doing the subsequent ones? Sure. Well, I I've been so fortunate you know, when I was 23 years old and failing it as a general manager, I had the resources to read every book about Walt Disney and P.T. Barnum and, and Saturday Night Live and Circus Soleil and Amazon and Apple. And that helped me tremendously. And I've learned so much over the years that I want to share the journey of, you know, starting with nothing and, and learning how to create fans. And so the yellow, finer yellow touch was my journey, sharing our journey, the lessons I've learned. Fans first was our, our company's journey and what we believe in and why every company, any person can really share uh, and create fans. And so that was the inspiration behind that. And then finally, Banana Ball, 
um, is something that, you know, I've had a lot of interest in creating this new sport and kind of sharing the behind the scenes of that and sharing that story. So, you know, fans first was really the big thesis of everything that we believe in. So that was the big one. Banana ball and, and yellow tux were almost chapters in this whole story. Fans first mm-hmm. is one I believe will live on forever. And it's a, a fantastic book, by the way. In fact, I've read all your books. And typically, this is something that I do as a practice now, Jesse. Uh, anytime I get a book, I get a minimum of two copies, mm-hmm. one for myself and one to intentionally give away. Nice. And so, and I, and I've done that with your book. And mm-hmm. every time I've given one of your books away, the person comes back to me. And it's like, I wish I had five or six other copies because I want to give some to this person, this person, this person. And I was like, do that, <laughs> that very thing. Because that, with, with any great piece of literature, it has the opportunity to change multiple lives. And I think that's what you're doing. I mean, yes, when people come, they are having a fun experience. That's true. But I think it's so much more than that. I mean, you're not just changing the lives of people who are there in the moment. I mean, I just think of the players that you have on your team Mm -hmm. and how you're changing the trajectory of their lives, not necessarily in terms of what they make monetarily, but in their perspective on life and what they're going to do going forward when their playing days are done. Well, we hope so. We hope to. I mean, I think that's it's that's the recipro- uh, reciprocity. Recipro- what's the word I'm looking for? Reciprocity. You, there it is. That's a good. See, very well done, right there. See, uh, that's the type of you know. If if you can spread that and continue to give that, then it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And so I think we try to share a lot with the players, but we learn a lot from them. They do things that to fans first that I've never seen before. And the way to give mm. back, I learned from them. Literally, I was like, you just spend hours playing catch with a kid after a game. You just did this at the hospital with a kid. You did this literally getting back from the hotel at midnight to spend time with the kids. And like, that is pretty special. And so we see it from them. And I think that continues to spread and make an impact. For sure. For sure. Now, I wouldn't be doing my job on the show if I didn't ask about this, because you you hinted at it and you briefly mentioned it earlier about your kiddos. Yes. Um, so you have a boy and two girls that you adopted. No, or, no, no. The process, in the process of adopting through we foster care. foster parents, and the goal is always to try to reunify the kids with their parents, but it didn't work out the situation, so now we're in the process of adoption, adopting our two little girls. Well, that's, as you can see from this picture, that's what I have. So that's right. my son and my two daughters. No. And so that, that's been another connection point between the two no. of us over the no. years is the same kind of thing, because we adopted through the foster care system as well. Um right. I, I'm just curious, what made you decide, made you guys decide we needed to do that? Well, first, it was, it was the heart of my, my wife. You know, Emily grew up in a, a bigger family and she took care of her three younger brothers and families. Mm. And she just started to get educated, started learning, started listening to podcasts, started reading like anything, you know, uh, knowledge breeds passion. And so she started mm-hmm. learning, happening on And she started sharing with me. I was interested and I was asking questions. And then she hit me with, uh, Jesse, there's 400,000 kids in the U.S. who don't have a permanent home. I go, okay, let's do this. And, uh, and, and, and so we started. And with anything, you start, you know, you learn by doing and just yeah. start. So we started in the middle of COVID. We got licensed, had our first, <laughs> oh, wow. had our first daughter join us at two and a half. And then got a call uh, about a year later of a baby in the NICU, six days battling everything. And, mm. so that's, but, and so she joined us. And what was amazing as we learned more about that, we said we can do more. And so that's when we launched our nonprofit, Bananas Foster. And so mm-hmm. now 
we are traveling around the country and we, every stadium we play at, whether it's a major league stadium, 15,000 seat stadium, we honor foster families in that city. And we had some that have had 200 kids in their home. They've adopted, you know, three or four. They've done amazing things and they get a standing ovation every night. And every night we play, we hear from more that are signing up to be foster families. And so one at a time, we're going to create a wait list, just like we did for the bananas. We're going to create a wait list in this country to become foster families. I believe in it. And we're going to keep working at it because uh, it's a need and we want to help take care of these kids and inspire more people to be part of it. Mm, that's fantastic, man. I love that. I love that's what you're doing. We're coming uh, close to wrap up time because I know everyone's time is precious. And I want to honor that. But what I would uh, what I would love to hear from you is uh, more than more than anything else, y- your story inspires me. It inspires me to strive to, to be more, to do more, to not to use the phrase think outside the box, but rather imagine that there is no box there and that it's fluid and that what I want to accomplish is in the matter of how do I stir the fluidity? <laughs> That's what you've inspired in me is to remove the idea that there's even a box there and that the, only, the box is there only because I allow it to be there. So I want to say thank you for that inspiration, even though you had no idea that, that you inspired me in that way. Well, that, that means a lot. I think, uh, you know, again, I've been inspired by so many people that I think the key is just what you're doing right now, the more you can share. So many people are afraid of sharing their story because they think it's about them. Mm. You sharing your story, it's not necessarily about you. That story can help inspire others. And so I've, I've gotten over that fear and well to talk about where we were and where we're going because that's what I learned from all these great leaders before us. And so I think the more people we share, the better. So thank you. I'm so glad that has inspired. Uh, it's, I, it's wonderful. It really is. Oh, yeah. In fact, um, my first book actually is going to be coming out in late January. Oh, so I'm excited about that as well. Before we let you go, how can folks find you? Find the Savannah Bananas. How can folks connect with you? Oh, geez. Well, very easy to find. Now you search or you even search yellow tux, you'll find me. But I spend a lot of my time on LinkedIn. I, I share the lessons, the stories. I share kind of how we're learning things. Uh, it helps from clarity for me. So from a leadership mm. standpoint, more I can share. And I learned this from Bob Iger. He said, uh, you know, often, you know, because our organization is so big, I have to lead with press release. And I was like, what does that mean? Oh. And he goes, he would share where the company's going, why they're doing things, and often a press release so it could spread. So I often share a lot of LinkedIn. So people that either want to be a part of our organization or are a part of our organization, they can say, all right, this makes sense as well. If I'm not able to connect one-on-one with everyone, like, like I used to when we were a very small team. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And uh, I've got a quick final four. Four quick questions. Tell me first thing pops in your head. All right. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Number one is, why did God create Jesse? Stated another way, why are you here? Uh, to bring more joy in the world. All right. Number two, what are you doing reading or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Ooh, I'm going very, very, very deep on um, a few podcasts, but the, the business movers and founders. And so I'm, I'm reading about every, listening to everything about Steve Jobs and Amazon and Milton Hershey and Howard Schultz. I go very, very deep on a subject. That's what helps me learn. Okay, great. Number three, what do you do for fun? <laughs> Oh, geez. But my, my wife thinks of which I, I did a lot more like going out and playing golf and doing all that. I, I hate saying this because it seems so, so, but I love, love, love reading, learning, growing, and, and trying to come up with ideas of doing things that are happening for in a baseball field. So 
I literally, that, that fires me up. I do it all the time. If not, it's out with my son. We play banana ball in the backyard. We play, uh, we, we play a lot of uh, football out there. And uh, I take my daughter on daddy-daughter dates, which she loves to go to Waffle House. And uh, mm. she recently saw the Taylor Swift movie and she wants to go see the Taylor Swift movie every single weekend now. So that's where we are with that. But I try to find the joy in my work and then the joy in activities with my kids. Love that, love that. What are you most grateful for? My family, starting with my dad, you know, throughout my dad, uh, dad raised me and the positivity, the love that he gives me. And that's helped me try to give that to my wife and my three kids and the love that they give me every day. So that's what I am tremendously grateful. And that's, that's why I wake up every morning. Okay. One last question. Somebody comes to you for a book recommendation, other than the ones you've written. What is one that you recommend to people with some frequency? That's so hard. Give me a top three then, if one's hard. No, I, I can ask this question. It's, it's, I, I'm, I'm so deep. I think, I think How to Be Like Walt inspired me a lot when I was younger. The Carpenter by uh, John Gordon about love serving care. The, those two come mm-hmm. to mind. Like, but uh, I, I, again, I'm going to say, I'm going to be a broken record here. If something interests you, go as deep as possible on it. Like I've read every single book about Apple, Amazon, Walt Disney, Grateful Dead, Circus Soleil, WWE. I get obsessed with those. And so if something finds you, just keep digging and you're going to really know how to learn it and go deep. So that, that's where I focus a lot. Mm, okay, love that. Well, listen, Jesse, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for being here, for sharing a little bit of your heart and who you are, a little bit of behind the scenes of what makes the Savannah Bananas great, but really what makes you great. Because if you weren't here, if you weren't doing, if you and Emily didn't have this vision for what you have accomplished, no, we would all be the worst for it. So thank you for leaning in in the hard years and continuing to say yes when it would have been much easier to say no. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate being honest with you and having some fun. You bet. And thanks to all of you for tuning in today. Again, you have given me your most precious resource, and that's your time, which I know isn't renewable and you can't get it back. So thanks for investing with us today. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.